All views expressed on the Open Work Partnership Graduate Podcast are personal, and nothing within it should be construed as advice or a recommendation. Hi guys, in the podcast today we'll be talking about investment trends the industry is currently seeing in the younger generation. We're going to be touching on cryptocurrencies, ESG investing and pensions. We have two special guests with us in the podcast today. Georgia Hawks, who works in our marketing team, who will be giving us her views and perspectives as someone who falls within the younger generation category. And Rohit Vaswani is here from Omnis Investments to give us some informed views on the topics that we're going to be speaking about. So hi guys, it's a pleasure to have you on. So we'll start by talking about cryptocurrencies. This is obviously a complex subject. So Maxwell Jake, do you mind starting by giving us an introduction? Yeah, so I guess everyone um, listening would have heard of the the big name of Bitcoin um, or Ethereum, etc. But the the general definition is a digital currency that is secured by cryptography, um, and this makes the coins um, and indeed the currency impossible or very hard to duplicate. So it's extremely secure. Uh, these currencies are also built on the blockchain technology. Uh, so that's a very high level of what of what they actually are. Okay, that's great. And obviously, like I said, it's a complex subject. So that would that would do for now, just so people have a general overview. <laughs> but I've I've got a statistic for you guys. Um, so we had a survey which conducted in the UK on wealthy millennials, and it discovered that twenty percent have invested in cryptocurrencies. So that's one in five people, and they all had investable assets of twenty five thousand pounds or more. Um, so for you, Rohit, I just wondered, what is your view on that? Because obviously there's a lot of scepticism around cryptocurrencies as an asset class. Where is the value in these currencies? Good question and, and very timely given what's going on. I think there's there's always a bit of new new news on on, on crypto. Um, just as, as a bit of background, so Omnis, is, Omnis Investments is the, the investment uh, arm of the Open Work Partnership. So we run uh, mutual funds. And then those funds are accessed through diversified portfolios for for clients. Um, and the first thing I'd say is that we don't we don't invest in cryptocurrencies in in the portfolio. So so that that kind of just setting the our, our stance up front. And and we see a few issues with with cryptos overall. First is around risk and liquidity. Um, they are they're very volatile as we have seen in in the last week alone. Uh, and we feel like uh, whilst they appear to be quite liquid today, um, that that may not be the case in 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 the future. Uh, second, there's there's a bit of an issue around kind of governance and and, and social aspects here, particularly around the fact that uh, cryptocurrencies can and we know that they have indeed been used for tax avoidance and, and other illegal, illegal activities. So you know, do do we want to be associated with that with with that? Probably pro- probably not. And then an extension of that is also kind of issues around uh, the, envi- the environment and kind of how much electricity consumption uh, they, they use. So Bitcoin on average uses more electricity a year than uh, Argentina or Norway, for example. So we've got issues around around that. But I think the the, the biggest part of, of, of where our concerns come in is around the uncertainty about what happens from here, particularly around a, a, a re- regulation. Uh, we've seen the US already looking at one of the the, the exchanges uh, uh, th- this week in terms of what, what what's happening over there, and we just don't know how governments and central banks will handle cryptocurrencies going forward. So I think that 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 makes us quite 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 nervous. Um, so 
we prefer to just not 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 have exposure to that for for those reasons. The one thing I will say is what is interesting about cryptocurrencies is the technology that sits behind, which is blockchain, and I think that's the bit that we're we're quite excited about, and we're looking at how companies might might deploy that. No, for sure, yeah, no, and that is interesting. I think later on we are going to touch on uh, sort of the environmental impact of cryptocurrencies and and especially Bitcoin, I think, which is, is something that we will be talking about. Um, and Georgia, just just from sort of a your understanding what is what is your understanding of uh, cryptos and more importantly do you know anyone or do you invest in cryptocurrencies so i don't personally invest in cryptocurrency but my boyfriend has just started to um so he tells me all kind of statistics and percentages that i don't really understand um but i think the hype of cryptocurrency especially in my generation of kind of early 20s i think it's been built around kind of people starting to get more of a disposable income, starting to build up their savings. And this is the first kind of proper investment that people can make without it feeling like a really massive deal. Um, like, uh, I don't know, you, compare it, you can compare it to if you were going to invest in property, for example. Um, so this is the first thing that people really feel like they can invest in, that they're going to get money back from. Um, and they just feel a bit more mature about it. And they just feel a bit more like an adult because you know, like I said, this is their first job and they can invest in it and it, they think it's a really fast scheme. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of where the hype has been generated. Kind of building on that, what George has just said about young people investing quite heavily in cryptocurrencies. I was reading something quite interesting. It was a study by the FCA quite recently, and it was basically talking about young people's investments and how they don't quite understand the amount of risk that they're taking. And that's the thing with cryptocurrencies is that they are so volatile. For every winner, there's X amount of losers and young people kind of get swept up in the hype and swept up in the kind of interest in it. They don't understand exactly what it is they're investing in. Yeah, and, and, and I'd say, you know, this is this is the closest we're gonna to have to sexiness, if you like, in, in our in our industry. You know, it's 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 what you what you've all said. It's it's digital, it's different, it's new, it's kind of trying to to kind of democratize investing and give access to to not just the hedge funds and give it access to to, to every single one of us. But what people don't talk about in the media is the risks involved and you know, the, the bad stories of where people have, 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 have lost the money. And I think that's that's part of the problem is we only see the sexy part. Yeah, I think you've all made valid points there. We touched on the volatility of cryptocurrencies. And like Rohit said, the future of crypto is uncertain, but it's also easily accessible. And if you put those factors together, then you might be able to see why some of the younger generation are going to go down that route. Just going back to what Rohit said earlier about the environmental impact cryptos can have. This is something picked up on in our research before the podcast. So one study named the carbon footprint of Bitcoin found that the total amount of carbon dioxide produced from the mining of Bitcoin is between 22 and 23 megatons, which sits between the nations of Jordan and Sri Lanka. So that's crazy if you think about it. These are nations and Bitcoin is literally just a digital currency. So that might cause some confusion as our next trend that we're talking about as a group is the rise of ESG investing. Rohit, do you mind touching on this? Yeah, sure. Um and but but I think you know it's, it's what you said is really interesting. That on one hand everyone's looking at crypto, and then on the other hand people are thinking about uh, sustainability and environmental friendliness, and, and it just feels at, at, at odds on 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 those two fronts. Um, 
So ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. And in essence, it's a really broad umbrella term uh, that refers to a class of investing that is also known as sustainable investing. Um, and I say it's broad and it's an umbrella term because so many different things fall within within that. I think the Financial Times actually, quite, they've gone to try and define ESG and have said it as a generic term used in capital markets and used by investors to evaluate corporate behavior and determine the future finance, uh, financial performance of, of, of companies. Um, in essence, what, you th- what, what ESG is, is doing is thinking about those three aspects, environment, social and governance from an investment perspective. And then within that, there's different approaches. So you could say, you know what, I am going to negatively screen companies that create more than X percent in, in, in carbon emissions, for example. So that would be a way of kind of negative screening. You might do the opposite, which is to say, I'm only going to invest in companies that are kind of uh, actively trying to reduce carbon emissions uh, or, or, or just not not, not producing any carbon emissions. You might go and buy just kind of wind farms, for example. So that's the opposite. It's kind of positive screening. And then there's there's quite a lot of bits in, in the middle to say, actually, um, I want to look at companies that want to change or, um, or that have the capacity to change. Uh, and then that's where what we call something called engagement comes in, where you say, well, if I invest in this company, I become a shareholder. Therefore, I can then try and influence change within that organization. And then the, the, the most extreme uh, a concept on, on on ESG is what we call impact investing, where what you want is to make an impact in one of those three areas, environmental, social or governance, uh, and the, the, any financial reward comes secondary. What you're doing first is kind of that impact piece, and then the financial re- reward comes secondary. So it's 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 really quite a broad term, and, and I think that's part of the problem, that uh, we, we all want to be sustainable, but actually what sustainable means to me is different to what sustainable means to any of you, for example, and, and I think that's where we get into trouble. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you are right. It's a really broad term. And again, we're going to touch on that later, Rohit. So that's good that you've, you've spoken about that. Um, just now that you've got some, well, you probably haven't understand anyway, Georgia, but I do have a question for you. So my question is this, just to get a general understanding of your thoughts and feelings. If you had £10,000 in the bank and you wanted to invest it and you had two choices of funds, so one that will turn 12% per annum with no restrictions or a fund that would return 7% per annum, but is classes an ESG fund, which one would you personally invest into? So I would invest in the 7% with the ESG, um, just because, yeah, it's more sustainable, it's better for the environment. I mean, that's as far as my understanding goes about ESG. I mean, I'm not like Rohit, I don't know the ins and outs. Um, but yeah, I think if you can adapt anything that you do in life, whether that's investing, whether or not that's recycling, um, yeah, if you can help the environment, then you just, like that's a better option. Yeah, for sure. And, and in terms of you guys, Jake and Max, is it the same for you guys or, or do you have a different view on that? I think given certain terms like that, I'm going to take the 12% option, I won't lie. But um, the thing with ESG, as Rohit touched on, is that it speaks to the kind of long-term future of the company. So this fund that's making 12% now, but isn't ESG, give that 10 years and it could be a completely different story. But the 7% ESG fund probably has a much higher likelihood to be successful 10, 15, 20 years down the line. So I think when you're looking long term, you are a lot better, a lot smarter to be going into the ESG side of things rather than something less sustainable. 
No, that's fair enough. And uh, basically, I just wanted to get your answers from that first, because I've got another survey here, um, building on to the next question. But the survey in 2018 found that 87% of high net worth millennials considered a company's ESG track record in their decision to invest or not, while another found that 90% of millennials wanted to tailor their investment to their values. So building on that, that says their values. A question I have for all of you is we know what ESG investing is defined as, but who decides on the values that define ESG? Yeah, I think um, Rohit touched on it earlier that obviously my values would be very different to his. They'd be very different to yours, Harvey, or Max or Georgia. Um, and I think it's a very tricky question because sustainability in one part, for example, um, not investing in a company that is associated with oil fracking, for example, then may have a, a social impact on those workers of the company and then take away from those jobs. So I think it's a real balance and looking at, um, at investing in areas that will support all areas uh, in growth and uh, on the social side and not just look at one area of sustainability because it all it's an all-encompassing uh, bubble. Yeah, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, it's... It's what I said earlier is, is, is our values are different. And also, where do you draw the line? Right. So, you know, I, I often get questions around, you know, why do we invest in British American tobacco, for example, as a company that tobacco is, isn't a sustainable thing. But but if you're a smoker, then actually you might have different different views on that. And if you're going to exclude tobacco, then should we exclude alcohol as well? So do we just stop investing in Diageo? And you can kind of see how easily you can start unraveling things and end up with a portfolio that is consisting of kind of five or, or, or six stocks. Uh, you know, you talk about Tesla is kind of the, the dream child of, of, of ESG, if you like. But then they've gone and bought Bitcoin, uh, you know, so, so, so where, where, where do you draw the line? And it becomes quite, quite difficult. And I often have this conversation around what, what's more, what, what are you trying to achieve? Um, you know, do you want to just go and buy companies that, you know, are only doing renewable energy, for example? Or should you go and buy someone like a BP who, you know, actually on the on the set on the face of it isn't the most sustainable company because they, they you know, they, they, they're a big oil and gas. But actually, through investing in there, they're, they're actually now committing to becoming carbon neutral. They're committing to having a strategy to go down that route and arguably trying to change the polluters is more important or equally as important, I should say, than kind of funding the ones who are coming up with the novel solutions. So I think it's, it's not a one size fits all. Uh, and, and, and I think that's, that's a challenge. If you're a high net worth, then you know what? Actually, an advisor can probably go and build a bespoke portfolio to your own values. But for most of us, we're not high net worth, so we just have to try and understand what is a manager's ESG policy and does that match roughly with kind of what, what my thinking is. Always understanding that you're not going to be 100% aligned. It's just not not possible. I was going to ask you that, actually. I was going to say to you, Ray, obviously it's dependent on the individual, but how many funds are available uh, you know, in the, in the wider world for individuals who want to go down that route? I mean, loads. I think in the last year alone, the amount of uh, sustainable funds or funds that claim to be ESG has just kind of kind of if, uh, exploded. Um, some new funds, some existing funds have now become ESG, etc. And you know, 
Many fans will say, you know, we, we've been doing ESG all along. And, and to a certain extent, that's true because the G in, in ESG is governance, where you're looking at, you know, how is that company kind of run? How is it audited? Is it, you know, are they bribing people? Are they, you know, what are they doing? And, you know, that has always been part and parcel of how you evaluate a company. You don't want to, you don't want to invest in a company that doesn't have good governance. So the other aspects, kind of the social and the environmental aspects are, are, are an extension of it. So I, I reckon if you go out there, there's, there's probably more funds that claim to have some element of ESG than funds that claim to have no ESG whatsoever, because it actually, they, they will, they will, they have to. Yeah. Yeah. And it, obviously everyone tends to invest for returns at the end of the day. What are the returns like if we're talking an ESG fund and non ESG fund? Are there currently many differences? Is it dependent on the fund? Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely dependent on the fund. It depends on the on the market environment. So if you look at kind of 2020, for example, uh, ESG funds did really, really well. Uh, now, you could argue that that is because they're ESG funds and they're more sustainable, etc. And there's probably an element of truth there. But you could also argue that uh, ESG funds by nature can't invest in oil and gas, can't invest in tobacco, can inv- can't invest in a lot of other sectors. So therefore, they're more exposed to other areas such as technology. And we all know that technology did really well last year. So if you look at Apple, Google, Facebook, they all did really well. So any funds that had expo- high exposure to those uh, uh, sh- to, to those shares will it will have done well. Is that a fundamental result of ESG investing, or is that a, a side effect? And that, that I think it's too early to tell uh, at, at the moment. I think I think we need to probably move away from just looking at did an ESG fund do better than the other. It's more around is the fund achieving what I wanted to achieve as an investor. Uh, and both at a financial level, and then is it roughly aligned to the values and what I believe from a sustainability perspective? Yeah, that's great. Thanks. So we've spoken, guys, about the shifting trends towards crypto and ESG. However, we also want to talk about a more traditional investment route uh, and hopefully help our listeners understand the benefits of that, and that's investing into a pension. So in line with the rest of the podcast, we're going to go down the statistic route. So I found that only around 13% of 18 to 24-year-olds have ever had a private pension in comparison to 81% of 45 to 50-year-olds. And this is a question for all of you, really, but, you know, what are your views on that? Yeah, so um, I think that might be uh, in line with kind of some trends that we see um, along with social media. People these days value um the apparent quick money um that links back to how we're talking about cryptocurrency and these success stories and don't quite realize the accumulative effects of investing smaller amounts over a long term um so i think that it that just uh, highlights the times that we're in and and the social trends that we're seeing yeah i agree along those lines especially combined with their lack of education about pensions in school. I mean, I personally didn't learn anything about pensions. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know the benefits of them. I didn't know how they were calculated. Um, and I think it's just about having that conversation with people, if you can. I mean, I was very fortunate that I was able to have that conversation with my parents. Um, but still, there's people within that category who are in their 40s, 50s and 60s who still don't put into their pension and don't know why they should be adding into it and how it all works. Um, so I think it's a really trippy, tricky topic to learn about. And like I said, especially if you're not taught it in school, um, and especially with, I think, definitely in my generation, kind of early 20s, um, people are after that instant gratification that you can show on social media. 
Um, so in my experience, I found that people are more willing to put £200 down to buy something designer or to put towards a holiday rather than putting £200 and investing in their future selves. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with that and the lack of education. It's a really, really tricky topic to learn about, especially when um, if you suddenly need to learn about it when maybe it's too late or maybe when you're just starting out I think the information is really hard to get at the moment. Yeah and I think similar to that it does come down to people not thinking about it too much not planning for the future as much as they should. People are kind of looking for those short-term gains and so they're not saving through their 20s and before they know it the sums of money they need to save in order to retire are pretty astronomical. So I think it is important to save from an early age, kind of as soon as your workplace is offering you a pension, then take it. For sure. I think those points are all valid. Uh, like you said, George, I think not, not many adults do know about pensions when they come out of um, come out of education. It's not something that, uh, you know, school tends to go over with you and it's not something you learn. And up until recently, I didn't know much about my pensions. I don't know about you guys, but do you know, you know, the fund selection, for example, of, of your pension that you're putting into? I I personally don't, um, and it was something in, it was Graham Angel mentioned that why do people not care about their pension? Because it's probably the biggest investment you're going to make in your life. And people, myself included, don't actually know what it's invested in. You just kind of pass it off to a pension fund manager and forget about it. So I think there is certainly space for people to kind of take more interest in exactly what their pension is invested in. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it wasn't until I started working at the Open Work Partnership that I was actually asked what I wanted to put into my pension. And as soon as I kind of saw the question, I just thought, oh, I don't need to worry about that. That's kind of a future me problem. Um, And I made a comment or I think I might have slightly mentioned it to my parents. And like, oh, I got asked what I wanted to put in my pension and I've just left it for now. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. And they kind of explained to me why it was so important that I started putting into my pension, especially at an early age. Um, so without even mentioning it, um, I could have easily just slipped into not putting anything into my pension. Um, and I think that's really easy to do. Um, but again, like I said earlier, I think it's just really understanding the key benefits of putting into a pension. And I think even if you're trying to learn after you've put it, started putting in or you don't have to know everything before you start putting it in. I mean, I think it's safe to know that um if you are working in a great place like the Open Work Partnership, then putting into your pension is never going to be a bad thing. So if you end up putting in and then um, getting the information afterwards, then that's absolutely fine. I think the main takeaway is that just you need to put in something. I think we're lucky as well in the sense that we work for a financial advice company. So I know from day one, we've kind of been told how important pensions are. We've had talks on it from various people throughout the network. So we kind of knew from day one that pensions obviously are a big deal. And regardless of how young you are, it is something you need to kind of concern yourself with and start thinking about. Rohit, what do you feel young individuals should consider whilst deciding whether to invest into a pension? Yeah, I mean, I've I've deliberately been quiet because if if I start talking, I could I could I could carry on talking for 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 hours on 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 the topic. Um, 
I think, look, I think that there's a bit of a silver lining around kind of uh, the younger generation thinking about sustainable investing or, or crypto, et cetera, in that they're at least they're interested. I know when I joined the industry when I was a lot younger, I just I ended up in the industry by accident. Prior to that, I had no interest whatsoever in savings or investment. So the fact that now people want to talk about it more and it's becoming a little bit kind of uh, more interesting, I think I think there is a bit of a, a silver lining to that. Um, and hopefully weeks like this week where, uh, you know, crypto has been quite volatile, that you start thinking about actually, I don't want to think about quick, quick cash. I want to kind of st- start thinking about, about longer term. And it, and it is challenging because we live in, in a society of instant gratification, right? So if we, if you want to buy something, guess what? You order it on an app and it arrives, uh, you know, either today or tomorrow. If you want to watch something, guess what? You can watch exactly where you left off yesterday. When I grew up, if I wanted to watch something, I had to look at the TV guide and, 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 and plan my, my evening based around when that program was coming out. So I think it's not just a, financial services investment piece. It's actually a much broader society uh, issue here. And then I think what you guys mentioned is nobody talks about it at school. You know, you, no, nobody ever, you don't even know how interest rates work at school, let alone thinking about, about, about a pension. And, and I think in, in, in my, in the kind of 13 years I've been in the industry, the, the common thing I hear is, well, I don't know where, where I'll be in 30 years. Do I really want to park my money away? Do I trust that the government's going to continue to look after those tax breaks that you were referring to, Max, uh, in, in, when, when I retire? And, and I think that's always going to be a, 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 bit, a bit of a challenge. But I think you need to look at your, your parents and your grandparents and look at kind of the life that they have in their retirement now. And, 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 and think about how you're going to have that when, you, when it's your turn. Because a, we don't we don't have defined contribution uh, pensions anymore. You know, at the you know our, our parents and our grandparents are lucky into in that their pension plans were so good that they they don't really need to worry about it. Whereas for us, the onus is on us. And and as as Jake mentioned, the government is going to give you something, but it's it's for 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 ninety nine percent of us that's not enough. And so then it's up to you to make up the shortfall. And if you run out of money, you run out of money. Um, Plus, add to the fact that we're going to live longer. We're all living longer now. So we, you know, if you think you you start working at twenty five, you retire at sixty five, you've worked for forty years. Guess what? You probably still have another thirty years. So those forty years have to then fund the next thirty years in 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 retirement. Um, and as we get older, we're going to need you know more care, and we might need we might have more issues, more health issues. So you just have all of these things to think about, and it, and your mind starts to boggle. To be honest, if if you start thinking about it, but I think the the, the one stat that I that I always look back at is um, if you start say if you say you want a thirty thousand pound income in retirement, and and you know for some that's enough, for for, for some it's not. But just let let's just use that number. If you start saving when you're twenty five, so when you enter the workforce, you start saving. You have to put three hundred and forty pounds away a month. That's quite a lot if you think about it, right? Imagine you starting work and you and I suddenly say right. 340 pounds, you, you've, you've got to give it away and you might see it in 30 years times or 40 years time. But if you don't do it and you wait till you're 45, guess what? You now need to put 1,100 pounds away a month. And that is just almost next to impossible. Uh, and I think that's what you need to focus on. And that 350 pounds isn't coming solely from you. You get tax relief, which Max alluded to. Your employer is, con- is contributing to it. And I often say there's no such thing as a free lunch in, in investing. But if there is, this is the closest you're going to get is your tax relief and your employer contribution. So it's almost like free money that you're getting. And, and everyone should try and make the most of it. And the sooner you start, the easier it is. 
and, and that's what I'll leave you with. Um, if I could quickly, Rohit, I just wanted to maybe talk about pensions and and a little bit of the risk associated and maybe link back to our, when we were talking about crypto. Uh, how do you think maybe we could educate people on, on the risks of um, not diversifying their investments and just investing in uh, the crypto as we spoke about and not uh, looking into their pension? I think it's having having these kind of conversations and make, uh, and putting them out there. And uh, I think, unfortunately, you do need uh, periods like this week where crypto has dropped 10% in one day for people to kind of wake up. And, and you hope that at the moment people are only, you know, the, there's t- the, there's 20% that are dabbling in, in crypto, that they're only dabbling, that they're not putting their, their life savings there because then you don't want them to lose 10%. But if, if that's the, the price you pay is kind of a, a people realizing that there is no such thing as quick cash. And if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Um, then and, and then that makes makes them take a longer term view. Then I think I think that's that's a start. I honestly think we should be talking about money with 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 our kids. Uh, you know, I, I'm not suggesting you go and talk about interest rates, etc., to kind of primary school kids. But start thinking about uh, you know saving money to fu- to fund something in in a year's time. You know, I've, I've got a five year old, and you know if he wants something, he's got to save for it, and and we'll help him with that. It's not he's 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 out there on his own at the age of five. But it's about just getting that mindset that if you want something, you don't just get it; you have to work for it. And in this case, in, if you want a good retirement, you've got to work for it for the previous 40 years. I also think we need to flip the view of pensions. I mean, like I said earlier, especially in my generation, people are eager to put that like 200, 300 pounds a month um, into a holiday fund, into buying something luxury. Um, but I feel like if we flipped it around to say almost if you save all of this money, then then you can pay for the holidays when you're not working. I mean, at the moment, you're in your 20s, you're the busiest you've ever been, this is your first um, job, and you're suddenly earning a disposable income, and you're trying to pay for these holidays whilst you're trying to book time off work, and it's just a bit hectic. Why would you not um, save it for when you're not working, for when you've worked so hard, and you have all the time in the world, and you can really enjoy those holidays, and just I, as bad as it sounds, I think that's the only way that my generation would listen to it. Um, I think you can scream about all the benefits and um, the almost kind of investment side of it. And I think you can talk about that until you're blue in the face. But I think the only thing that my generation will listen to is the talk of what you're getting from it personally like I said because they want that instant gratification um it's really tricky to try and convince them that the pension is the best way to go I I think you're spot on Georgia I think I think you know if, if I said crypto was the sexy part of investment pension is the boring part right and, and and the bit that nobody wants to talk about and I think we need to try and flip it and make it and make it a bit sexier there's there's, there's two initiatives you know there's one initiative that, I, that I've heard that I thought was quite good, which is uh, rounding your coffee up. So when you go up, uh, kind of buy a coffee, round it up to the nearest pound. And then when you've hit the kind of 10 or 20 pounds of, of that rounding up, that just goes straight into your pension. And that's a quick way of just making, you know, building that 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 pot quickly without uh, it ne- you necessarily no- noticing. The other aspect of it is they say that uh, as an investor, you start taking notes of your pension when the value of your pension is equivalent to your salary. Uh, 
And that, I mean, that often takes kind of five, 10 years to get to that point. But I wonder whether, you know, we should start as an industry, a kind of a campaign on, on, on LinkedIn, on, uh, not LinkedIn, sorry, on Instagram. See, I'm showing my age here on Instagram and TikTok, which is kind of like, uh, uh, trying to achieve that and almost have like that badge of I've, I've achieved, I've, I've, my, my pension is now equivalent to my basic salary. And, and, and so, cause you know that once you get to that, you're going to be more interested because what you've got a big pot now there uh, is thousands of pounds. And I just wonder whether there's something we should do as an industry to make it a bit more uh, current in terms of thinking about pensions. I agree. And I think banks are already trying to do that already. Um, not necessarily directly related to pensions, but I think they really are trying to encourage younger generations to see the value in savings and to almost see it as a goal. Um, so I know that with my particular bank, it gives me a little circle and I can set a date and a title and then the amount of money I want to save by that deadline. Um, and each month it gives me kind of a little um, update as to how much I would need to save per month to get to my goal, etc. Um, so I think making it as a goal and um, making it really visible to see how close or how far away you are from your goal. Um, I think that's really important. I think that'll really help drive people um, to really gain understanding and to um, really see the value, like I said, about um, saving and to recognise how important it is. Honestly, guys, this conversation has been great. And I think, as we've mentioned, there is definitely some education that's needed in the future to help younger investors to make more informed decisions. And if there's one thing that you take away from today, I think that it should be Rohit's quote around pension guys. Not the one where he mentioned that his five-year-old son works full-time to buy himself gifts, but that in life, there is no such thing as free money. However, investing in a pension is the closest you'll ever get to that. So just take that away with you. He works two shifts. I'll have, I'll have you know. Thank you very much. Yeah, that is all, all we have time for today. Um, I really want to thank you, especially you, George and Rohit, for your time. And uh, thank you again for listening to The Graduate Podcast. Pleasure. Thanks for having me and uh, carry this on because I think this is what, what we should be doing to try and get people more involved. So, so, so well done and, and keep it going. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks very much. All views expressed in the Open Book Partnership Graduate Podcast are personal and nothing within it should be construed as advice or recommendation.